Come on, let's go. Come on. Let's go. Stone cold. You know it's time to get serious. We got a new mixer today. So we've been fiddling. So FA Podcast Final Approach, February 5th. We're uh we're gonna talk to a pretty important person. It's not me. Uh, obviously, we're going to get on the phone, my buddy Brad Fenson. Uh, Brad is, uh, Brad is as cool as it gets when we get to like waterfowl and, and doing certain things in the outdoor industry. Uh, Brad is, uh, he's a, well, actually we'll just get him on the phone and we'll just chit chat because, uh, That's my dude. So, here we go. Fenson Residence. Yes. How can we help you? <laughs> uh, I'm waving around my snow sock flag for all the people to see because I just feel like doing it. So Good. So, if anybody hears that, we're just prepping. We're just prepping for snows. It won't be far. I hear they're headed north already. Yes, the white devil is on the move, is what I hear, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. All right, everybody, we're talking to Brad Fenson, outdoor writer. Um, I tried to explain you in my little Facebook post or my Instagram post, and I think I put uh, – I should have put excellent shot, but I put great shot, so my bad. Uh, I put outdoor writer, great shot, excellent chef. So I just should have put, I just should have gave five stars for everything. So my bad, you know. I was worried that you're going to say, here's a guy that definitely has a face for podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we go live. So uh, everybody unfortunately gets to see me and uh, I don't care. Okay. Because we're going to talk. We're going to have a good time. We're going to go through a bunch of info and it's, it is what it is. So now that, that, well, Duck season is over everywhere, so the crying, I could hear the crying now, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm sure you could hear it all the way in Alberta. Oh, uh, we could, but I mean, our countdown started again just before Christmas, so. Right, right, so you guys are ready to get back on the map come September 1, so you're not crying that much for us, so. <laughs> and if well, I lived there, I'd be doing the same thing, so right. don't even worry about it. So, uh, but we will get a crack at spring snows, depending on when they're going to slide through, so. I didn't buy my plane tickets yet, so I'm just waiting to see when I get the go-ahead. So, right. Um, so like I was saying, since everybody has started crying, there is a little late goose. We have late goose. Ours starts actually this weekend in Oregon. Uh, there are a couple other places like Missouri, I think, is going until maybe this weekend too. So there's a couple closing, couple, you know, so guys are on and off. And, of course, spring snows down here. So um, first thing I want to talk about is how many animals did you kill this year? Do you, uh, because this is, you know, when I talk to people, everybody's like, everybody that watches your Facebook, 
and your Instagram is like, oh my God, there's another animal. Oh my God, there's a pile of birds. Oh my God, there's a moose. <laughs> and I, just, I like to tell people we eat well around here. Well, listen, there's no doubt about it. Uh, there's no doubt about it that we eat, when I come up there, the eating is incredible, okay? And I was trying to explain to some people, like, like, listen, Brad and his family, like, they don't go, they don't go to the grocery store. Like, yeah, you go to get milk or sometimes bread and this and the other stuff. But as far as, like, meat, like, uh, no. Like, everything is imported, whether it comes from a mule deer hunt in Nebraska or a moose in Alberta or whatever. So, which is awesome. So I, we're going to get into some, uh, some recipes. And if you got a, good, a couple good ones, I could throw them up on uh, uh, Instagram tomorrow uh, and throw some links or whatever we can do to, to you know, get some people, uh, you know, cooking a little bit better because that's always kind of the downfall. Like, oh, I don't like duck. I don't like goose. I don't like this. You know, how do I get it? How do I get the gaminess out? Like, listen, the gaminess is part of it. Like, that's the whole deal. Right. Gaminess doesn't mean that it needs to taste bad. You need to embrace it. And it's like if you're used to eating beef and you try pork, it doesn't taste gamey. It tastes different. Correct. Like, like, right. Gamey is wild game is different. That's it. You know what I mean? You know, like, listen, you, you know, when we go on our trips to China and stuff like they don't raise chickens over in China they raise ducks, you know, that's their chicken over there. So when you go, like every dish is, has it as duck, you know what I mean? There's duck, everything, but their duck, their duck over there is not our wild duck. It's more like our raised chicken. Do you know what I mean? So it's different. So, so everybody's got to, like you said, embrace what it is, but also figure out how to cook it. You know what I mean? That's huge. Yeah, I mean, you have to understand what you're dealing with. It's no oh, different than working with domestic meat. You can cook a chicken breast and overdo it, and it tastes terrible. The texture's terrible, there you go. and nobody's going to eat it. So once you understand how to cook waterfowl and what the differences are between the domestic meats that you're used That's to right. cooking, That's right. um, people will be asking you to come for dinner. That's right. So. How many, so let's get into like the fun part because that's the part everybody likes to hear. So, so how many animals? So what did you take this year? So you shot an elk in Alberta. Yeah, I started in the spring to actually harvest the two black bears. There you go. Okay, so and, two bears. And uh, we shared some blind time and shot some spring snows. Yes, we, we did. had a great time. That was it. Was an interesting spring because out of all the birds we shot, we only had two juveniles. So yes, uh, we had a lot of adult snow geese that were used for cooking. And that's right. To be quite frank, they were just as good as everything else. And, but and the rest and, of the fall was pretty amazing. I did uh, have a moose draw in Alberta this year. Shot a nice moose. And I shot one of my biggest white tails in many years here at home, right in my backyard. Yeah. Ten point crossbow, which was very exciting. I do remember that. Yeah. And I shot uh, a really nice buck in South Dakota. And it was, uh, you know, it was 26 and a half inches wide with a drop tine. And uh, we ended up in a very remote area and ended up boning out the deer and packing everything out on our backs, which makes it even more rewarding. Oh, yeah. Uh, two great whitetails in uh, Nebraska, 
and a really nice, a really nice deer out of Oklahoma as well. Rutten Strut Outfitters. I've hunted with him, oh, yeah, Todd Rogers, on. several times. Oh yeah. And finally connected on a really dandy whitetail. That was a late season archery hunt, which, you know, was a, a nice way to round the year out. I'd I'd say. Yeah, and and then Todd's got. That's where you shot your bobcat last year too. Todd's got great stuff down there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, incredible waterfowling, uh, great deer hunting. Yeah. I shot, I think it was uh, between, I was hunting there, and we hunted together in February, and again this fall, I think I shot nine hogs there this year too. Oh my God, that's fun. So it, uh, it's a pretty amazing place. The deer hunting's awesome, predators. Well, um, and I, I've never been there for the turkeys, and the turkey hunting there is ridiculous because we passed a field when me and you were down there. I, I remember passing a field and there's 200 plus turkeys on a tree line in the trees roosting. I'd never right. seen anything like that in my life. Right. When I was there in December, I shot a nice whitetail and immediately purchased a uh, fall or if some people call them winter turkey tag and right. went out and set up a blind and shot a a gobbler the next morning with the 10 point and that's one of the reasons why todd let me shoot it with a crossbow i didn't disturb the winter roost right and right. there was probably close to 600 turkeys within a, a one one square mile area it's i don't doubt like, it it was just incredible the sights and sounds uh, you know the experience is worth the visit on its own whether you're hunting or just watching <laughs> yeah they they you know everybody i think oklahoma is definitely one of those sleeper states. Um, like we went down to shoot uh, uh, cranes this past year, uh, right in Quanta, Texas, and and he's kind of in in uh, Oklahoma and Texas. And you know, I think Oklahoma is that sleeper state that has it has a lot. I mean, oh my God! I mean, when we were down there, the last day I was down there, when we we shot we shot some ducks, then you shot a deer. Uh, then we started predator hunting and, you know, there was one day where, you know, we did 14 sets. We didn't call in a, you know, a bug. And then the next morning the wind's ripping and I pull off the morning of mornings and yeah, you were showing off big time. Oh my God. I mean, that, listen, that was the best, that was the best predator hunt. Well, <laughs> I, I want to say Brett best. That was the best two coyote sets I've ever had in my life. There was. I shot a double, then I shot a triple, and that's, yeah. I mean, that, I just said shut it down, like, the next set, I'm just going to screw it up, so let's just go back. I mean, other than other than you and I going to uh, JL Bar Ranch in Texas and shooting, you know, whatever, 30-some foxes in, in a couple days, I mean, that was... 34 gray uh, fox in two days, that was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, that... And, and the thing is, they don't even, you know, remember, I, I remember calling uh, uh, Gabe down there and I said, hey, you know, what else is there to do? Because, listen, I, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a deer hunter. I don't, uh, deer just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I, I'll eat it. I love it. I love guys who go hunt them and that's their passion. It's just not me. Like, I don't live and breathe it. So I was like, hey, what else can we do when we're down there? Like, do you have any coyotes or this? But the the crazy thing about down there, remember they that was like a sheep area, and they had eradicated every coyote. I mean, all the sets we did down there, thirteen thousand acres of that place, and we didn't hear, see, or any sign of a coyote. Was that was bananas to me? Right, which is why there were so many foxes because oh. the foxes actually uh, 
take a beating from the coyotes. Right. They were thriving. There's no doubt about it. They were yeah. they were all about it. So so we've had, you know, listen, we'll have to have another show where it's just like we go through everywhere we've been. Because <laughs> there's some pretty cool stories. Just just the stuff we've seen and uh, and been involved in is just – and just some cool places. I mean, things that, you know, everybody always talks about, like, what's your bucket list and what's this and what's that. I mean, just going and having – you know, seeing a bunch of stuff and, and having good company and going is is – I mean, that's half the battle right there. So Well, it is, and good company is a big – part of it because I think you and I play off each other in terms of what we could do for our next adventure or to make sure we get out in the field in the spring and again in the fall and what can we do at the end of the season and you know having somebody that's highly motivated and with the same mindset as yourself goes a long ways yeah because one of us the problem is one of us has always got like the next trip planned Indeed. Which is spring snows. <laughs> yes, not far. I'm counting the days. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. So uh, I'm going to go through a simple thing that, that I do with a lot of my duck and goose meat. Uh, and I'll let you maybe think of there's one recipe that's easy for guys to make. Because, you know, the, the, the time is always a, a factor. And the prep is always a factor. You know what I mean? You got to have time to do it. You got to prep it right. You got to have time to cook it right. You know, or if you don't, like you said before, it doesn't matter if it's wild game or not. Bad things happen in the kitchen if you're right. not following, you know, everything. So so what I ended up doing, and and you've had it when you're down here, is is I take it. And the thing that we eat the most here in my household is like ground ground meat so i found like the best ground sausage place i think that's in the area which is a little place over in malala down here and they make incredible pork sausage and i and they also do wild game and i said can you do this like my wild game into like a like a like a mild italian ground sausage he's like oh yeah all day so i get it back in like little pound packs and uh and shrink wrapped and then i'll just bust those out and make hamburgers in the summer or even in the winter i've made chili i've made um lasagna i've made meatballs i've made uh like spaghetti like meat sauce uh, i did meatloaf so i mean there's a million things you can do with ground and that to me takes out like the prep time and worrying like the other thing is am i going to overcook it because like you said as soon as you overcook wild game it's like like a brick forget it cook anything go into right. uh, you know a top u.s steakhouse and order your beef well done and see what they say <laughs> right. they'll say there's the door like we don't do that to our we don't do that to our meat there's no doubt they do that you know what i mean you can sell it <laughs> right right they're going to tell you to hit the door Right. So, so that's what I'm saying. So that's what I do just cause we got, you know, and I, I'm sure I'm no different than everybody else. We got a busy household. We're running, yeah. we're running all the time. And that just seems to be, oh, and also make breakfast burritos in the morning with it. So it has so many, uh, uses and it'll never get old instead of just going, Hey, I'm going to cook us up some duck breasts or um you know what i mean like oh i'm gonna put cherry sauce on it i'm gonna put this you know what i mean uh yep. you know what i mean i'm always i'm always going 
like what can I make next with this and it gives you a million options so is there is there something that and I know you came down to the waterfowl festival last summer too and cooked a bunch of stuff and everybody was like all about it so right and we actually posted that chili recipe on their site did we not we did that chili recipe was just so I mean you talk about ground meat and I think most households whether you're buying meat or you're you're a deer hunter or an elk hunter uh, you definitely have and use a lot of ground meat, so why don't waterfowlers embrace it as well? Right. I mean, your family actually taught me a lot about using ground duck and goose for a lot more recipes and uh, menu planning, and it's a great way. It, it's a great problem to have because your families are like, do you have more of that? Right. Which means you should be out in the field hunting more. Right, right. So that means I like late season goose here. Like I got to try to pour it to them. And when guys, right. <laughs> and when guys are like, Oh, you know, my, my freezer's full or, uh, yeah, I'll take it. I got yeah. it. <laughs> but you know how we deal with that at the fencing household. Oh, we buy in a freezer. <laughs> that's right. That's, <laughs> you know, I, I, well, the thing down here is I don't, I don't shoot like 11 animals a year. So I don't, I don't have to worry about having, you know, a couple freezers. So, especially a moose. I did enjoy cutting up the moose and I do enjoy eating the moose and I would love to I'd love to do all that. So, a moose I cuz I know I know listen, deer meat's great, elk meat's great, but the king of king for me is moose. There's no doubt about it. Yes, and you embraced it with open arms oh. this year because my moose hunt took longer than I expected, and by the time I got home, you were already here, and we had a fair bit of processing to do. I had uh, two moose from camp that we had to deal with, yeah. and I think you you helped cut, wrap, and grind for two days. Yeah, me so and Timmy we were on it. Bird hunting. Yeah, me and Timmy were on it, and we, you know, I don't know what what was what did we end up with? Like eight had to be, it, I don't know, eight hundred pounds, something crazy like that. Yeah, I mean, when you, you know, people are listening and they, they probably think this is a bit absurd or exaggerated, but we actually have what we call our moose freezer. Right. Right. <laughs> and I mean, we did, we cut steaks, we we did grind, uh, we packaged it, we wrapped it, we, we did like back straps, like we wrapped every, I mean, we were... You know, listen, my dad was a butcher growing growing up. I mean, that's I mean, I remember, you know, growing up in Pennsylvania, which this is like people would be all freaked out about this, but I remember my dad working in a grocery store, a huge chain, you know, chain grocery store, and I remember during deer season, as soon as it started, they would section off the freezer, the cooler where guys were bringing in their deer to get processed. You know, today people would be freaking out saying you know, you can't be processing a deer here when you're doing my chicken. You know what I mean? Right. And that's what that's what that's what Pennsylvania was all about. You know what I mean? Like that's how that's how cool Pennsylvania was when I was growing up. And and I remember oh my God, I just remember deer hanging. And you couldn't you couldn't see the end of the line of deer, you know what I mean, that were hanging and that were getting processed and guys were waiting. Uh you know, so it was just it was incredible. And we did a lot of a lot of meat. We kept everything steaks roast. We did our grind. We kept, you know, from the briskets to the shanks, you name it, all to make specialty dishes. But 
Moose grind is pretty special. I remember the first time you came up here, I had made some moose salami, and we cut them into like half-inch chunks when we were out in the goose blind, and you called it moose cookies. Oh, my God. You know, it's just a really good reference and example about what you can do with ground meat. And when we talk about ducks and geese, you can make all of that stuff on a waterfall, and it tastes just as good. Like, you'd be hard-pressed to to say, well, that's deer or that's goose, and it's not that you lose the identity of the waterfowl, but uh, you sure make believers of everyone around you about eating wild game. Well, and listen, there, like I said, on the grind, you know, you could do so many things. Like last time, I think, um, I think you had, I think you had either antelope or elk, and I'm not sure. And we made, uh, um, like calzones, like a stromboli, like a calzone with like, you know, yep. roll. Oh my god, like that was incredible. And you've made, you know, like think think about the ground elk. Like we did enchiladas, or you know, think of all the things you could do on grind. Oh uh, yeah, chimichangas. Oh you ever my god. Remember the elk chimichangas? Yes, that's what I'm saying. There's so much, and and if everybody says, you know, like I said, it always comes down to time and prep and people being afraid of, you know. Like cooking, because I know. Listen, I was there years ago. Like I was afraid to make a wild game dish, in fear of if it doesn't, excuse me, if it doesn't turn out good, like I don't have a backup. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not as skilled as you. I mean, I come up to the house and you got, you know, listen, uh, uh, like you guys have everything, you know camp chef you know is is like your best friend like brooks and them like they take care of you because you are cooking constantly and helping them out so um there i don't know there's there's so much so much you can do if you just kind of get to it so is there something well think about think about a recipe that we could throw up or two tomorrow or we could send a link to people so they could you know check you out or check your stuff out I'm getting well, some. Well, you know, it's pretty easy. We, t- we talked about ground duck, and last year at the Oregon Waterfowl Festival, um, we cooked waterfowl chili. And That's right. And I think I made three gallons of it. We had a camp chef stove out on the patio and some cast iron Dutch ovens going. And people, like, these are duck hunters that hunt ducks religiously every year. That's right. They came out and tried it and were, like, they were in awe. They couldn't believe that it was ducks and geese. That's what I mean. And listen, and you could always the, throw everything else. That recipe is actually on their website. So if you Google the uh, Oregon Waterfowl Association, it uh, you should be up. able to look up the recipes there for sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, and and it doesn't, you know, listen. There's guys here that, that hunt everything, right? And yeah. and if they have grind, you can throw all your grind together and and get it packaged so you're you're ready to go for anything. You know what right. I mean? I mean, listen, there's a religious dish that happens at every uh, family function on my wife's side, and it's a chili cheese dip, okay? <laughs> and everybody, there's like, there'll be a hundred people, all family at this thing, and everybody's got their paws in the chili cheese dip, okay? And I mean, some people are like elbow deep in it, right? That's how yep. go- That's how good it is. And I'm thinking to myself... Hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to make us some wild game chili cheese dip next time I'm up because it's not it's like a couple ingredients you're talking about 
you know, you're talking about ground meat and, and all the ingredients on a chili side, which are super easy, and then just adding some cream cheese and and some other, uh, like some shredded cheese. Like, uh, I'm already thinking like widgeon chili cheese. Ooh, like that's what I mean. Yes. Um, you know, that's a good point because you can take any recipe out there, you can con- convert it to, to waterfowl. Um, if people are looking for new recipes, if you go to AmericanHunter.org uh, or just Google American Hunter, right. um, the website will come up. Most people are familiar with it. It's the NRA's publications and online site. I do two recipes for them a month, and if you uh, Google recipes or just put in my name, put in Fenson, F-E-N-S-O-N, uh, 200 recipes will come up. Oh, there's no doubt. There's a million recipes. Like, right. That's so what I'm all saying. All kinds of them on waterfowl. You'll right. find duck ragu. You'll find, you'll find a recipe on there for elk chimichangas. But you can make that elk chimichanga oh, with ground duck or ground goose. That was so so if you're looking for a good recipe site, there is a pretty good compilation of them there. So um, is there anything on the, like I said, I know we do a, a bunch of stuff with Brooks and stuff at Camp Chef. Is there, uh, I know you were doing a bunch of stuff for there. Are, are they, do they have a dedicated part to their site at all? or is No, there... they don't. And, you know, uh, most of the time when I'm working with companies like Camp Chef, I love their pellet grills and their right. stoves right. and their griddles and their grill boxes and all the rest of it. Uh, I do make mention of that in a lot of the recipes, and there's links like hot links right in the recipes that you can go to their site. But they do not have a site where I have a bunch of recipes, yeah. um, Camp Chef products. Well, and like I said, they they do so much in there. Those guys are definitely hunters and hardcore guys. You know what I mean? So so I mean that's always a positive because you know you're sometimes in this industry, you know, you're talking to some people who don't really, you know hunt as much or at all so obviously we're even inside the hunting community we're kind of you know we're, we're we're choosy about who we deal with only because like the true the true hunters and the guys are, are doing this for the you know the right reasons kind of stick together and and hang out and do a bunch of stuff together if that makes yeah, sense those that embrace the outdoor lifestyle tend to right. flock together right you know? right waterfall pun intended because right. we really do we, we gravitate together in any event uh, whether we know each other or not, we seem to find each other on the floor and start talking about our passion. Oh, there's no, there's no yeah. doubt. <laughs> Which always includes feathers. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's constant. It is. It is totally constant. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm trying to think of my best, uh, like my favorite thing that you've made. So maybe somebody can go and Google it. The elk chimichangas were. That was pretty incredible, uh, but you did something this past fall. You did antelope. You had what did you have in antelope? What the heck I think I did an Asian inspired antelope, which was with uh, uh, some olive oil and sesame oil and green onions and sesame seeds and and stuff like that. And it, actually, that's on the American Hunter website. Uh, you ask about favorite recipes, and I made a, a dish recently that. My wife, Steph, has loved and said that I need to make it again, and that's duck ragu. And yeah, I saw that one. It's extremely easy to make, but very flavorful. Uh, you do not lose the duck in it, which that's always important to me. Like the recipes I cook, I'm not trying to mask or hide what I'm cooking. You, you, know, you vividly recall when I cooked you antelope or elk and different things because right. it is unique and it's there, but it's good. 
and you you remember it. You know, it's like having a good beefsteak or a good pork chop or, you know, the perfect uh, chicken leg. You know, you remember it for what it is. Uh, we do the same thing on the wild side, and you find recipes that you embrace because it it makes the wild game the highlight of the dish. You don't lose their presence. You don't lose their quality. And uh, the duck ragu is one that stands out that I've recently done that uh, is really worth looking into. Yeah, I mean, because here's, here's the other Green thing. Onion. Oh, hold on. I just did that. I'm trying to look at some comments and see if we could pull a couple things up. The thing, the thing that, uh, that I was going to say is, you know, long ago I would always remember, like, people who couldn't cook it or do anything were always trying, trying to hide the wild game in the dish. You know what I mean? Right. Like, just like yep. you said – you need to make it the star and bring it out and talk about it and, and have it be the forefront. And, and that's what you taste. And you know what I mean? That's what you need to do. You got to embrace that and, and get it out there. So there's no doubt that that's what right. you got to do. So, yeah, and I mean, you talk about going to China and having duck being the most popular dish on the menu, right? Duck should be one of the most popular dishes amongst hunters as well. But the average hunter does not, pluck and draw all of their fowl and duck is amazing food but the fat and the skin adds an incredible amount of flavor and uh you know if you haven't tried that you need to it uh will help you enjoy eating duck or goose a whole lot more and i think that i'd like it to lead into a new discussion on the seasons because you come up here and we hunt early september and our birds are full of pin feathers have zero fat they're still fun to hunt. They have great uh, muscles, so you get good breast meat, good legs, good thighs, but it's a, a whole new cooking process, and you need different recipes for birds that have zero fat on them versus ones that you could shoot in right. Oregon or Arkansas uh, the last week of the season that are fat and sassy and That's right. can plucked perfectly. Um, you know, you look at some of the, the other recipe pages and, and wild game chefs out there and duck fat rules. There's, you know, Colby and high-end restaurants uh, that cook with duck fat are, are renowned. You can order specialty caramels and stuff made in the southern states with duck, duck fat that are, you know, they're a delicacy. Oh, there's no so, doubt. Yeah, hunters have uh, a gold mine uh, usually in hand at the end of a day, but... Uh, uh, how they embrace it is a different story. You know, are are you a hunter that breasts everything out? Do you take legs and thighs? Do you pluck many birds? What's your specialty? What's your favorite? Uh, what do you do at different times of the year? Uh, is a mallard with yellow fat better than a pintail with white fat? Because guess what? They're all different. It's uh, uh, it's like describing the difference. You tell me the difference between a beefsteak and a pork chop. What what What's it taste like? Yeah, it's it's so, definitely different. Right. The texture is different. The flavor is different. Well, every duck is different as well. Whether they're eating sago pondweed or they're eating barley or winter wheat, they, they all take on different flavors. So uh, waterfall hunters should be spoiled with uh, a canvas of different flavors and species that they can harvest. And uh, one thing that I'd really like to do is try to challenge people to, to utilize more of their birds and uh, pluck and draw as many birds as possible. And, uh, I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but uh, I don't like to waste any part of the birds. And when you come up here, 
you're always like, uh, do you want to take all of the legs and thighs? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I do want to take anyone that's not shot up terribly. I want to keep all of them. Well, and that's that's the rough part. I mean, because you know, you'll get into you'll get into some shoots, and you know, we're cleaning birds, and man, I have cut myself. I don't know how many times, like trying to get some legs off because somebody busted a. a you know, that, that, that thigh bone in there, you know what I mean? So, and, and usually, I don't know, for some reason we got some low shooters when you and I go and, and the legs seem to get clipped. (laughs) True story. So, so it sucks trying to, and, and I was just going to like actually talk about that because when we shot all those specks and snows early two years ago, and that was early, uh, you had a you had a dry rub that you were doing on the legs. Oh and, yeah. Oh my God. And you just did them with literally it was a dry rub, and you put them on the smoker, and it was they were lights out. That I remember vividly as well because that was I was I was impressed just because of the ease it was. I mean, literally we were talking about rinsing them, literally putting shake on them, you know, like a rub on them putting them on a pan in the smoker and out they pop and they were all gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. Low and slow with the legs and thighs. Most people, when they try them, they're going to like them better than the breast meat. And some people are probably shaking their head in disbelief, but I've actually had lots of people tell me that I actually had an editor of a, a fowl magazine eat goose legs, uh, big honkers, like giant Canada's the legs are, you know, meal sized. Right. And a huge doubt, huge doubt in camp. And I cooked dinner that night and he came to me afterwards and said, you know what? I, I have to admit I'm embarrassed all these years. I've been throwing the legs and thighs out and it's better than the breast meat. Right. He said, I'll never throw another one out in my life. And th- those are great stories to hear. So the thing with legs and thighs is cook them low and slow. Right. Uh, I like to braise them first. If possible, you can put them in a slow cooker and cook them down for five, six hours Instapots nowadays are amazing. You put oh, them yeah. in there 20 minutes in some broth and pull them out, and you can put a dry rub on them. You can sauce them. You can put them on the grill. You can put them in the oven. You can put them on the barbecue. You can do them up just like chicken wings. I mean, uh, I've had dinners here where I cooked 50 uh, goose legs, and they were the first things to disappear. Yeah. You know, people try those first as an hors d'oeuvre, and they eat every scrap of it. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there for that, so I know. I know how that goes, because <laughs> I was, I was one of them that was hammering them. Uh, and and well, and the other thing was, you know, I've been up there, and I don't know how many times, you know, we shoot a pile of snows, and everybody's like, oh, I'm not going to eat those. And then all of a sudden, they come over a couple of days later, and and you know, we processed a bunch, and we there's meat everywhere, and all of a sudden, you whip up some snow goose dish. And, and they're like, no, that's not snow goose. No, no, no way. And I'm like, dude, I was here. I, 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 I cleaned them. I watched him cook it. Like, that's what it is. And they're like, man, I've never had that. I need the recipe. You know, so I think, I think more people just need to be exposed to, you know, not, not everybody's as lucky as me. Like, I get to spend time with you, like, firsthand cooking and doing all this stuff and actually watching all these and reading the recipes and seeing, okay, this one, this one would take a little longer. I don't know if I'll get to that one, but this one was pretty quick and pretty easy. I think I'm in on this one. You know, there's certain things. You just got to, you know, put it towards your lifestyle and figure it out. So, Oh, absolutely. And once you do, you'll embrace it. And it's not hard. You know, the, the biggest 
here's a really good way to understand it. I tell people when you cook a beef steak, you put it on the grill and you grill it for five to seven minutes on one side, turn it over and cook it again for five to seven minutes and it'll come off medium rare to medium. Right. If you were to do that with the same size elk or moose steak, it would be well done. And if you do it with a duck or a goose breast, it will be extremely well done. Right. And, you know, the, again, the best way to describe it is think of Kobe beef when you're looking at beef. And I know it's got an exaggerated amount of fat, but all beef has marbling in it. That's what we raise our beef for is to marble them. Right. Well, fat is insulation. So when you cook it, whether it's in a frying pan, on a grill, on a barbecue, whatever, you have to heat that fat in different layers. And it takes a lot longer for the heat to penetrate through that entire steak where elk is lean protein, there's zero fat, you know, uh, all the fat that they they actually store would be on the outer sides of their, their, their hind quarters or on their kidneys in their, you know, important parts where winter's going to cause havoc with them. Right, where they're insulated. So, you know, it's going to heat way faster. Like dense protein is going to actually uh, carry heat quicker and it's going to penetrate the meat quicker. And it's going to cook in half the time. So I do elk steaks, and I never cook them more than seven minutes on the grill. Like right. three and a half minutes per side is is usually max, and they're done perfect every time. Duck and goose will cook even quicker, and that's because when you look at the grain of the meat, they're extremely fine-grained, and they heat through very quickly. So you can dry them out, which is going to make them... It changes the texture and it changes the palatability of them very quick. So uh, the one thing is if you are having trouble cooking wild game properly, cut your cooking time in half and try them and you'll probably reduce your cooking time even more the next time and go, wow, that wasn't very difficult. Well, and and here's another thing, like you were talking about, uh, talking about, you know, the fat. Obviously, there's no fat on a bird as well. It's on the outside where the feathers are. So if you if you pluck at least the breasts and then you cut your breasts off and leave the fat on, that's yes. gonna help. That's gonna help a tremendous amount keeping that meat, you know, like you know, juicy, moist. That fat is cooking through. Like that's a huge deal. You know. What yeah, I mean? the moisture is an important part of it, and the fat. I mean, it, some people, again, will be shaking their head in disgust or disbelief, but the fat has incredible flavor. Every year we take ducks and geese that are in prime condition. When our, our late-season honkers come through, I love to shoot them, pluck the breasts, uh, remove them with the skin and the fat on them, and I turn them into goose bacon. Right. And if you can picture it, I mean, there's a, a thick layer of skin, there's a quarter to a half inch of fat, and then there's the breast underneath it. And when we cure those, it takes you know, six to ten days. I use a high mountain uh, buckboard cure mix, so it's extremely simple. It's one tablespoon per pound of meat. You rub it in there, put it in the fridge, turn it over after day three, and take it out, rinse it, and put it in the smoker and smoke it. I mean, you cut each piece of bacon, and that fat, when it cooks, renders out. Right, it's uh, just perfect. Who doesn't like bacon? I mean, it talks to the value of the fat and the added value with the flavor that you get and uh, hunters really need to embrace that if you're a waterfall hunter and you you haven't embraced waterfall fat yet it's uh time to do that your heart doctor might not agree with you but uh, <laughs> uh your taste buds certainly will there's no doubt about that we're on the fa podcast we're talking to brad fanson 
from uh, Alberta. Uh, Brad's an outdoor writer, an outdoor chef, uh, and he is all over the world. So I wanted to introduce you guys to him because him and I are like peas and carrots when we go around the country and go different places and 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 all our shenanigans together. So I wanted to get Brad on and and get you guys acquainted with him because he'll be on a bunch as uh, as we grow final approach and keep going he's uh he's a good friend he's uh he's an an absolute killer uh so yeah he's he's in the club he's in the family there's no doubt you're part of the family <laughs> well it's an honor <laughs> he's a fr- he's a friend of ours that's that's how we say it he's a friend of ours that's how you get introduced so uh, shout out to a couple companies that, that have helped us this past year uh, on a lot of our quests and adventures uh, for Final Approach, especially uh, uh, the guys at Benelli have been a great, a great asset and a great help this past year. So is JJ and all the folks at Federal. Um, and we're already planning stuff for this fall again. Of course, Mossy Oak. I've been a Mossy Oak guy for for a long, long time, longer than I can you know, want to talk about. So, yeah, but yeah, those all those companies have helped us. And of course, uh, you know, there's a couple of companies like right here in my hometown that are always supporting us and, and uh, loophole and, and Benchmade. My, my, you know, I got friends there and everybody there. So they're now this is one thing that you need to know, Brad. Uh, uh, my buddy Anthony at Benchmade has a knife coming that I, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to give it up, but it's coming. Um, but it's supposed to be geared very much toward meat cutting so i mean you know what what kind of blades they make like you know uh, scary sharp you know if you want to keep all your fingers yeah they they have (laughs) not only do they make an incredible knife with an incredible edge but they back it up with a lifetime warranty for sharpening yeah like when i got my first one i was kind of shocked i read the warranty and it's like if your dull gets if your knife gets dull and you can't sharpen it, send it back to us and we'll put the original edge back on it free of charge. I'm like, what? You know, who's good at sharpening knives? Nobody. I got I got crappy knives that I sharpen just like on a thing that that just tries to get me through. You know what I mean? I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not that guy. So so yeah. He's like, yeah, bro, just try this, and when it gets dull, I'll just I'll I'll get it and I'll just take it over there and get it sharpened. I was like, oh my god, that's that's perfect because. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, he's talking about the, you know, the edge and what angle it's at and this knife's at this edge. And I was like, dude, you're way over my head, but that's awesome. Like you're, you guys are in the knife game. I love it. You know, and, and I'll let you guys do your thing. I'm, I'm in the decoy. I'll do my thing <laughs> and the blind market. I'll stay there. Hey, couple questions, uh, that I'm looking on Facebook right now. So, uh, Kevin, uh, Grant is always, uh, hit me up here. Uh, he's a good kid. Uh, actually went to school with James. Uh, James taught him at Auto Shop over at Tigard. So he said, does Brad turn any ducks and geese into, like, snack sticks? He's looking for a good recipe for, for like, you know, meat sticks. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, yeah, you've been here when we've had snow geese coming through. I mean, they're naive. We're the first agricultural fields they see. And we've had some weeks where we shoot 800 snow geese. So, of course, you need to process some of them and grind them and turn them into different things and we've made pepperonis and honey garlic sticks and all kinds of things yeah and the best advice i can give you for anyone starting out and not knowing what they're doing is pick up a high mountain kit they're very inexpensive they come with all the ingredients they come with the cure they come with the casing 
you uh, can grind your meat, add some pork, put it together, mix it, and uh, you can actually finish them in the oven. But if you have a smoker, I always like to add some smoke some flavor smoke to it. it. Right. Uh, but a very easy way to do it and a great way to utilize uh, extra waterfowl. Or if you're shooting early season birds like we do when they don't have that incredible ring of fat on them. That's right. You know, it's another wonderful use. Uh, snacking sticks are, are a crowd pleaser. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, just like you said, like, like, hey, we're going to shoot some birds early. Uh, run those, you know, either if, you, if, you, if you're not sure on what you're doing, take them somewhere and get some done or do them yourself. And then you have the rest of the last part of the season, you know what I mean, to be handing them out and, and eating them and, and, you know, doing those. Those are... You know, unfortunately, they're probably better for you than Pop-Tarts. <laughs> well, there's no better incentive sitting back <laughs> in your uh, layout blind to shoot more birds than to pass around some pepperoni sticks or honey garlic or teriyaki right. or, you know, one of the multi-flavors that uh, that you can build from the High Mountain kits. They're, they're pretty amazing, and they, they taste great. And part of the, uh, the key to making those is adding pork to it because right. waterfowl is dry so you can't use straight uh waterfowl meat because it just doesn't have enough moisture in it when you smoke it cook it it'll dry out and they crumble so right you've had our moose cookies you've had duck oh. cookies you know uh part of the secret to that is using some pork to uh, add some some moisture when you need to and right. that's nothing that hunters need to be embarrassed about you know people make beef sausage they add pork to it because it has more moisture uh, venison sausage. I'm sure your dad in the day he cut up oh. more deer than most of us could probably ever imagine. Uh, probably added a lot of pork to the various sausage and grind that he did. And uh, waterfowl can be very lean. Um, here's a trick for you though. I mean, if you have some late season birds and you uh, can pluck them, uh, keep the skin and the fat on them when you grind them. Right. It uh, it really increases the flavor in your snacking sticks. Uh, you can definitely tell it's waterfowl, but it's not, uh, I mean, it's not displeasing in any way. If anything, you will want to pluck more birds in the future. Yeah, I mean, listen, like you said, even if you can get, even if you can get the breasts out with the fat on it, if you can oh, yeah. get, if you can get the leg meat off the bones, you know, obviously if you're, you know, you're doing grind, obviously you got to get all the bones out. So, so if you can get as much meat off the birds as possible with the fat on it, there's no doubt that's going to help you down the road. Right, and I've seen lots of people trim and trim and trim and try to remove all of that and pull oh, it God, off no. and pick at it and try to wash it. But, you know, um, you nailed it. You, you you pull the skin off and try to leave any fat possible on the meat itself. Uh, you and I did a hunt in Saskatchewan in, in the fall and shot a bunch of cranes, and uh, we cleaned those and left the fat attached to the meat. And that on the barbecue is, it's, it's money is the only way to put it. I've cooked several of them here for people, and they are dumbfounded at how good they taste. And that fat and the rendering of the fat on top of the meat is a big part of the equation to incredible flavor at the end of, of the cooking process. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the, the crazy part is, uh, like everybody would say, you know, uh, the ribeye of the sky and, and make those comments and, and talk about all that. And listen, this was my first year shooting cranes. I mean, we did it over in Saskatchewan, uh, with Garrett and the guys at Lucky Lake. And then we went down to Oklahoma, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and, and was with my guys down there. 
with with Evan Sabalitas and and each time we cooked them, I mean, it was there's no doubt that it cooks like a steak. Just like you're talking about. This is different than goose. Goose is different than duck. Uh, you know, snow goose, if they're eating this, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, if, listen, if you shoot, if you shoot an antelope in the sagebrush versus an antelope in the alfalfa, I guarantee they're going to taste a little different because it's what they've been putting in their bodies and what it's throwing off. I mean, it changes, it changes all that, but whatever, whatever the cranes eat, oh my God, it, it cooks just like a steak, I think. It does, and a lot of that has to do with the texture and the grain of the meat. Right. I mean, grain is very similar to beef in terms of the length of the grain for each strand of protein that's in there. Yep. And it is, it, it's just a mental reminder of a beefsteak. Um, you know, that, that brings up a really important part of cooking waterfowl is what are the big mistakes people make. Oh, perfect. And here's the one tip that I can give people. Ducks are extremely fine-grained. I mean, um, the best way to demonstrate that is next time you shoot one and you have a, a pellet hole going through the breast and feathers, start picking that out, and the meat will start coming apart in little wee hairs. They're, it's so fine-grained uh, that the texture, you can, you, can, you can get texture that is not palatable. So one of the biggest mistakes people make with ducks is over-marinating. So if you like put a marinade on a duck and throw it in the fridge for a day and a half, you're probably going to cook it and say it tastes like liver because you break down that fine texture even further and it just pills up in your mouth. Right. You know, when I marinate ducks, it's 20 to 30 minutes. You want to add some flavor, but uh, you don't want to change what it is. You don't want to change the protein. You don't want to change the structure of it. You don't want it to break down further because it's already extremely tender and fine-grained. So once you understand that and embrace it, it makes it much easier to cook them. Um, so anyone that tells you that their birds taste like liver, the first thing I do is say, do you marinate them? Yes. Do you put them in the fridge overnight? Yes. Well, just quit doing that, right. and you'll Too be long. much happier with the end results. Right. Well, and like you said, preparation and all that, that's that's half the battle, and trying to get there is 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 a big part of the battle. Uh, so So the prep, watch your prep. Yep. I, I mean, my keys, me being a novice, I would say watch your prep and your length of prep. You know what I mean? Like you said, don't marinate, you know, for 24 hours, you know, right. marinate, marinate for what? Would you say six to eight? Is that fair? Uh, most of the time, I literally do 20 to 30 minutes on a marinade. Okay. So, yep. so marinate, we'll just make it easy. Marinate less than an hour, you know, watch your cook times. You know, because yep. you're like you said, once you cook it too long, you're changing the composition, and that's why it's tough or it's dry or you can't cut it or the dog doesn't want to eat it. Like you've ruined it. You know what I mean? You've ruined the the texture and the composition of it. You've you know you've taken bread and you've burnt you've got burnt toast. That's what you did to it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean that's really what. I mean, that's the best thing that I could think of. You took a nice piece of bread, you put it in the toaster, and you put it on like nine. It's been in there for three minutes. It pops out. It's it's blacker than the bottom of your shoe, and now nobody's eating it. So you've ruined it. Yeah. You know, most of us freeze waterfall as well. Right. So another good tip is 
the most important thing you can do when you take a bird out of the freezer is thaw it properly. Don't put it in the sink and leave it overnight. Like, could you imagine walking into your supermarket and finding a piece of meat that's been sitting on a counter for 12 to 16 hours? Uh, yeah. You never thaw them in the fridge. The other thing you want to do is score the package, put it in a colander, and set it in a bowl and put it in the fridge. Now, whether you, whether you do elk, moose, deer, goose, or whatever, right. there's going to be an incredible amount of liquid that comes off of that meat when it thaws. You know, you go into a supermarket and buy a beef steak. They have a blotter cloth underneath them, and that, there's a reason they do that. That's right. Is because that meat does sweat. It gives off a lot of moisture. Some people call it blood, but it's it's more than that. But when you're thawing meat and you let it sit in that moisture for hours or days, it will have an impact. Right. So score the package with a knife on the bottom when it's frozen. Put it in a colander. Set it in a bowl, put it in the fridge, let it thaw slowly, naturally, and let that moisture drain off. And tell me that it doesn't make a huge difference in the flavor. Uh, some people like to marinate their waterfowl to remove some of that natural liquid within them, like some of the blood and the stronger flavors. And you can use a salt brine, a little bit of salt and sugar. Uh, High Mountain also makes a brine mix that you can use. But uh, again, it's like anything in life, the way you handle it, is going to really impact the end quality of a dish. And we take our lessons from meat handling at any um, supermarket store, butcher shop. I mean, your dad was probably very cautious about everything he did. Everything was top quality. That's why he had, you know, hundreds of deer carcasses come through uh, his cooler every fall. So when we see the way that things are done on a commercial basis, we can take a note um, and just do the same at home. Like there's no doubt. Yeah. Well, so. you know, and soon as soon as you said that, you said you know marinate them. I, the first thing that came to my mind, believe it or not, was was uh, I was going to ask you like, how about this for marinade? And I'm like, oh wait a minute, we already did that. I I remember me and you were in New Zealand, and all the all the chaps, all the mates are drinking these uh, Jack. Jack Jack and Coke, I've never... Premix. Yeah, it was a premix. It was half Jack, half Coke, and all you did was, like, mix it up or whatever. And yeah. I've never seen anything like that, right? So, and I was looking at it, and everybody's drinking one, and I go, I go, hey, I wonder that what would that would taste like if we marinate the birds with that? And then didn't we do that and cook them the next night, and they were incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And that was funny because... Everyone in New Zealand plucks every bird, so this is almost the opposite mentality of what we've been talking about. Right. They pluck them, they roast them. When we were out hunting, we ate cold roast duck in the blind, and That's it right. was wonderful. You know, they do a really slow roast on them. They're tender, they're moist, they're, they're, they're awesome. But uh, we had the back of a truck that was full of birds. Yeah. We were... Like, well, we're, I guess we're going to be here for 12 hours cleaning. And I said, well, let's brush some of them. And they're like, what? You know, they were... It's really the opposite of North American mentality. Right. You want to breast these birds, and uh, yeah, let's breast some, and we'll, you know, get me another one of those Jack and Cokes, and we're going to pour some on and cook some of them up, and that's exactly what we did. <laughs> well, and and you know, just to say they're opposite, but you know, they're opposite when we were doing that. But then you and I were going to shoot turkeys, and they're like, yeah, just throw them in the, just throw oh, them in the pile right yeah. here, and we'll just throw them out. And we're like, like you're going to do what with the turkeys? They yeah, won't they eat just... them. Like it's, oh. and it's you know it's the mentality of hunters in different places, uh, different communities. 
uh, unless it's hard to hunt, hard to uh, harvest, uh, they don't think they're any good. So in New Zealand, the harder you have to work for something, the better it tastes. And yeah. because they don't hunt turkeys on a regular basis, uh, they're not as wild as they are in North America. Yeah, they're, they're not, not as, as challenging. Right, so they're not as respected. They don't see them right. as a good uh, bird for the pot. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So... All right, we're that's, pushing. That's another story altogether. Yeah, that's what I said. Don't worry. Listen, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna. Uh, I think we need to pick a couple topics uh, for next time and and discuss. And I could throw, you know, I could throw something out there on on our Instagram or 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 whatever um, to see like what would what would somebody want to know about? Like, do they want to know about? you know, like going to Canada and hunting Canada, do they want to talk about some bucket list trips and going to, you know, New Zealand or doing something like that? You know what I mean? I could, I could throw up some questions and see what anybody would want to hear because, you know, like New Zealand is a bucket list thing. There's no doubt about it. You know, heading to Europe, going to, listen, going to Canada is a bucket list. You know, I, I just, I'm fortunate enough to come up there all the time, uh, you know, but it it is truly a bucket list to come up there if you're from down here. So, uh, well, I think that's your topic. It's bucket list locations for waterfall hunts because I still have several on mine. I've hunted all over North America, from the Arkansas rice fields and flooded timber to the Columbia River to, you know, I, I helicoptered into the far Arctic and shot uh, <laughs> snow geese uh, on the tidal flats of Hudson Bay. But Nuts. there are some trips that people definitely haven't heard about and need to think about if you're an avid waterfowler. Well, maybe we do that. Maybe the next one we'll do, uh, uh, we'll do bucket list trips and we'll go through a couple and, and, you know, and we'll, you know, cause they always have those bucket list trips and they always put them like in the magazines and stuff and they always talk about them. And it's like, it's like, I don't know, you know, like a bucket list trip to me is like, okay, what like is there a is there a, a an animal I'm searching for that's like on that you know what I mean or is there some scenery or a place that I want to be because there's there's different versions right. know, of a bucket list and 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 it's different for other people too you know what I mean so it might be I want to go you know I, obviously you could do it now in Texas and on a bunch of the ranches but I want to go shoot an axis deer because of the meat you know what I mean like that's a different deal or I want to go here so. Oh, I, I definitely think we do that. I think that's something that that people would get a kick out of, as well as you know. Now there's a there's a program. Me and uh, Bobby who helps me. Uh, me and Bobby are working on a program, and I got a tip from somebody else about uh, when we're doing the podcast. You could actually pull some pictures up so people can see it on uh, when we're doing it live. So that's something I want to get in place before we do that because I want to throw up some pictures of you know, hey, here's you with your you know, here's you with your stag in, in New Zealand, or here's us with some paradise ducks in New Zealand, or, you know, here we are with a bunch of, you know, specks and snows up in, up in Alberta or cranes in, you know, Oklahoma or Saskatchewan or whatever. So I'm going to get that figured out. So then we could pop some pictures up cause that, that'll just make it killer, you know? Yeah. The ultimate tease. Yeah. There's no doubt. Plus, yeah. Listen, you know, it's all worthless unless you got pictures. So and we happen to have a few of those and, and we'll definitely we'll definitely put up our turkey pictures from new zealand which always no matter where we are always becomes uh the topic of a discussion like let me see that again so yeah so we'll have to we'll have to pull that out that's probably the most requested picture uh when you and i are out 
you know, when we start talking about something. So, well, we'll have to make sure that we <laughs> post that that is in New Zealand, or we'll probably be investigated by several enforcement. Yeah, well, yeah, well, in <laughs> they'll be like, "You guys are, you guys are going to jail. You can't shoot that many." So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll let you know where we did that. We're we're on the up and up. So, oh yeah, absolutely. And you and I just couldn't fall into the local mentality and cleaned birds and had turkey breasts and legs and thighs. Uh, more than what the average hunter could ever imagine. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. So that's a that's that's another discussion. There's no doubt. All right, folks, we're talking to Brad Fenson. If you want to check him out, uh, check him out online. Just Google Brad Fenson Outdoor Writer, um, and you want to direct him to the uh, which site for all the recipes. You know, some of the best sites to go to, Mario, are AmericanHunter.org, right. uh, com. And, of course, if you're a member of Delta Waterfowl, I do the Waterfowl Chef column for their magazine. So That's right, for um, them. Those are some of the the ones where you can get a lot of information really quick. Probably between the three, there's going to be three to 400 recipes for you to peruse. There there's going to be uh, tips for cooking waterfowl, different types of ducks, geese, uh, legs, thighs, breasts, pot, right. uh, you name it. Uh, sort of cover the whole gambit of information for cooking waterfowl. Well, and guys are staring at their freezer right now, like going, oh, what am I going to do? Like, here you go. We got you. Yep. So awesome. Buddy. Do a beast, beast. That's right. That's right. Have it right. Have everybody over in the summer. That's what we yep. end up doing. Having a big barbecue and having everybody bring a dish and, and do a different wild game dish. That's totally the way to do it. And that keeps the, you know, that keeps the camaraderie going and, you know, you get a bunch of duck hunters around. It doesn't matter what time of year, all they're going to do is talk about duck hunting. You know, I mean, that's just what we do. So might as well have a barbecue in the summertime and get to live it, you know, live it in the summertime. So there you go. Well, challenge your bird hunting buddies to get together once a month for a different dish uh, and I'll challenge you to look up American Hunter, and there's martini mallards on there. Ooh. You can cook those as a appetizer, and once you do that, it'll be the start for your awesome. your waterfall cooking club, uh, where you can get incentive for going out every fall by eating them every month of the year. Sounds like a plan. I love it. Good. All right, bud. Appreciate it. Uh, kiss the babies. I'll talk to you guys soon and uh hopefully uh for spring snows here we'll see what's going on yeah less than 60 days let's see that countdown's on <laughs> i love it all right brad appreciate it i'll talk to you soon yeah thanks mario all right thanks mike all right talking to brad fenson uh great guy incredible shot incredible chef incredible guy uh great photography uh so next time you see a piece written by him um, you know, you'll kind of feel a little bit better like you know him. I mean, he's he's one of us. There's no doubt about it. Uh, a couple questions I want to throw out there. There's a couple people that asked, hey, where's all the late season goose hunts? There's there's a couple. Uh, I'm familiar with the ones on the West Coast here. So uh, Oregon, where we have our permit zone, the late season. Klamath uh, uh, down in southern Oregon, they'll have a late uh, spec shoot. Um, and that's usually, I mean, we, we, Levi, he – email before and got on and commented like and we were just talking about that today like dude if you don't have private property or or the spot for it man it's a tough deal uh there's only a couple outfitters down there that handle it and if you don't have private property where they're going man that's a tough one so um so if anybody else has any other tips you could always hit us up you know hit us up on uh 
on Instagram. You can follow us there. You can get on our Facebook page. Um, like us there. Uh, we're adding some more videos up on our constantly up on our YouTube channel. So you could subscribe. So go to that. And of course, the podcast's up. Uh, so that's really about it. That's uh, February 5th. That's our podcast for uh for today appreciate it final approach you can go to check us out finalapproach.com fabrand.com is the website and it's final approach appreciate it